0: Welcome to the Midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. All right, welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Glad to have you here. We got Jacob Croyle. Hello. I tried to catch him in the middle of that yawn. He was too quick though. Rob Croyle. Hello.
1: Hello
2: eat
0: himself gone is it just and bolly hi and then of course i'm here logan you can't get away from me sorry <laughs> i keep trying to pawn myself off but they they won't let me quit it's fine we
2: like you so
0: we apologize in advance but we want to talk <laughs> about a discipleship moment
2: oh this was me the
0: discipleship it? moment superb <laughs> this is one of the best i've ever heard I'm going to build it up and it's still not going to live up to the standards of which I have built it up to, or it's going to be higher than the standards. I don't know. It's, it's awesome. So Molly, tell us the story.
2: Well, this last week or two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I don't know. Life's a blur. Um, my oldest had just gone, gotten back from camp and we had a little bit of a kerfuffle between the two of us. And
0: can you define kerfuffle for me? (laughs)
2: We had a tiff. we had disagreement. <laughs> it resulted in a child being uh, packed away forcefully to his tent because we were camping at the time. oh okay um so that's kerfuffle. I was
1: impressed it was uh, <laughs> I enjoyed that moment
2: I did not, so I'm glad you did um <laughs> I anyway. did look
3: like a rag doll during, like, oh yeah, I'm a little disappointed that I missed this moment yeah, me uh,
2: packing my nine year old away it was great. <laughs> Anyway, that so... What you, that's what you meant by packing. Like, uh-huh. Yeah, no, him I, like, <laughs> man grabbed him and just went to the tent.
0: It was
3: a As he's, Jesus like, grabbing moment.
2: onto chairs and trees and grass. And... Mama bear came out. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Okay. So we were sitting there talking. The t- I left him to cool down because that is a very important thing to do with my eldest. He just needs some cool down time. Okay. So I said, you can stay in the tent. I'll come back and talk to you in a minute. And I took both pairs of his shoes out with me. Because um, I am also smart, um,
0: that's a good one. Oh, because he would have run out. Like he would have yeah. just left. he would have left. So I okay, just took so you both stranded chairs. him <laughs> yep. in the tent. Okay, did both
2: pairs and left.
0: This is take note. So, parents.
2: yeah, yeah. Anyway, dealing with strong-willed children. I too was a strong-willed child. So um, anyway, so then I came back. And I was talking with him about what he did, and I don't honestly remember what it was. But he was talking about how. Well, why is it so much easier to like love God and follow God at camp? And I'm like, well, you start the day with a Bible study. You have prayer at every meal. You do worship in the morning. You do a Bible thought in the morning. And then you have a sermon that night. And then you have campfire stories where you share testimonies. And so everything is done for you and structured to like help you have this really divine moment with God. The problem is, is when you leave that, you're now in charge of it. So you can still have that moment, but you're going to have to be in charge of doing your Bible studies and reading your Bible and praying mm. and doing worship music. and So it requires a lot more work on your part, but it's still possible. So is that?
1: That, yeah.
0: Super good. So good. Super good.
1: I know where the water.
2: Is. Go get the water. Mama, I need... Hey, no whining. I hey, need no help. whining. Okay, move. I'll be there in a minute. Speaking of discipleship moments, <laughs> you guys discuss. I'll be back in a moment.
0: Uh, Perfect. Yeah, so when you're at camp, everybody is, like, it's structured around this. They're going to feed this to you. You're in a controlled environment. You're not getting distracted by outside stuff. Every moment of the day is scheduled out for the most part. Even the free time is scheduled out.
1: Sure, sure.
0: Right And it's all tailored around we're going to just center your life around God for a week. And you'd see this like our high school students would we'd always come back, I, you know they'd come back from camp. when I was a high schooler, we'd come back from camp, and we'd have this discussion every single year of how do how do we stop the camp high from disappearing? Like how do we stop that from going away? Like we got something really good going at camp. How do we stop that from going away? um and I've never heard a better explanation, Molly, than what you just gave.
2: Well, thank you. Of
0: like, at camp, they're feeding it to you. And once you come home, you have to feed yourself.
2: Yep. You. I, I can't them, take credit for it. That was like, a, as I'm walking back to the tent to talk to him, I was praying about it. And that was a God moment. That's so. straight
0: up sewed right there. Yeah, that's well, that's sowed.
1: that's discipleship. I mean, that's, yeah, that's fantastic. because he'll remember that conversation. I hope so. (laughs) He'll remember. And it's not that that's the last time you'll have to have the conversation. I mean, that's just the way discipleship works too. Usually it takes three or four or five or six or 20 conversations. That escalated quickly. (laughs) But he'll be able to look back on that moment because we were camping. Yeah. um, But he had had just got done with, you had picked him up from camp. Yeah. and, And brought him in. And so he was... He was exhausted. He was, you know, emotionally and physically drained, and and his emotions were getting the best of him. I mean, he's nine,
2: yeah,
1: you know, and so I'm I'm 49, and I let still all... throw tantrums
0: sometimes. Yeah,
1: you know, um, <laughs> and it's it's amazing too. You know, we were talking about like my connection time with the Lord, and. And Sunday, when I got up, my intent was to get up and go to the office early to prepare for the sermon, because I did. I just hadn't felt settled yet on where the sermon was at. Yeah. And, uh, and the Lord's like, you need your normal time. And so I'm going, okay. I'm going to take that time. Now, my normal time is super simple. It's not mm-hmm. complex at all. It's... I read some of the same passages. There's a dozen passages I look at on a regular basis, but I read three or four or five sets of verses mm. in the morning. They're probably the same ones that I read yesterday morning and then in the morning before that. And I'm drinking my coffee and I've got some worship playing on my phone and I have a simple conversation with the Lord. And when I do that, I feel settled mm-hmm. and I felt prepared for my sermon more so than if I would have just gone straight into my sermon prep.
0: Sure. Yeah. Totally makes sense. That is some tasty stuff right there. So let that be your discipleship moment for the week. Disci- discipleship content, comment, con concept. I don't know. We we, still can't, we'll I can't remember tied. what we came up with last week, but... <laughs> Let it be a thing. Let it be a thing. All right. Let's dive into these footnotes. We got plenty to talk about today. Uh, First topic, just to start with some lighter fare. (laughs) Nothing controversial. Um, Just real basic, simple, straightforward. Let's talk about women partnering in the gospel that we see being mentioned in Philippians 4. (laughs) Right there. Let's just start with that. And Rob, you mentioned possibly a higher percentage
1: in Philippi. Yeah. So um, there are inscriptions. I'm getting this from the IVP Bible background commentary, but there are inscriptions that indicate a heavy involvement of women in in the religious activity of the city. So you got more women involved in religious activities in Philippi than other parts of the Roman Empire. So it wasn't a very Roman thing for women to be involved. There were pockets Mm -hmm. um, throughout the empire, but by and large, still a very male-dominant society. And uh, if you're a woman and you had money, then life was better for you. Um, than if you were a woman and didn't have money, I mean that was just a reality, sure. and you had some level of influence if you had money um but that probably had more to do with the money than than anything else
0: yeah, it had that's you know heavy class system <laughs> heavy class system,
1: you know there's this uh this tension I think of well, does Paul think all women should be quiet in the church and And they don't really have an important role to play. Um, Is there a role only with children? And if that is true, then at what age does that change? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and there's different um, letters that Paul wrote, and Paul expresses different things, and and there seems to be some conflict there. Sure. Um, in some cases he says women should only uh should be remain silent um and ask questions at home but and then then, they, in
0: this one, he calls uh uh help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers
1: And at the end of Romans, he lists women as Sure. As apostles, as a teacher, sometimes he lists the wife before the husband, which would yeah, not Priscilla be... and Aquila. Yeah, that's not a common. That's not. It's not
0: a... just because it rolls off the tongue better that way,
1: right? It does, though.
0: It really does. Mm. It I was pref- like God ordained it. <laughs> I,
1: per- I prefer it, you know. Um, and so I, you know, I think really what we're seeing is Paul's addressing different groups of people with a different context. Mm-hmm. And if we understand the context, then, then maybe we have a better picture of, of what that means. And but, why
0: he's saying what he's saying.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Cool. That higher percentage in Philippi, that's curious. I like that archaeology stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Let's, uh, let's talk Book of Life.
1: So this is an Old Testament sermon and, and most of my most of the things we're going to look at today are, are from the IVP background commentary that's where I found the most interesting information um, when when I was doing my research for this week for this last week's sermon but um, this is a an Old Testament concept um, and i'll I'll just read three different passages, one out of Exodus, one out of Daniel, one out of Malachi. And Exodus 32 says, but now if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. But the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book.
0: Hmm.
1: And so Moses has this concept that God is keeping track He's checking his list, and he's checking it twice. Going to find out who's naughty and nice. That's right. Um, and he says, blot me out. If if you're not willing to forgive their sin, blot me out. And, you know, I think Moses is just saying, I'm not that different from them. Mm. Mm. Like, I didn't do it, but I'm not that different. Um. And so, and God says, well, I appreciate your hutzpah." <laughs> but that's not how this works. And um and then now Daniel 12 verse 1 says at that time shall rise Michael the great prince who is a, who is a uh, an angel who has charge of your people and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time but at that time your people shall be delivered everyone whose name shall be found written in the book written in the book written in the book so Scrub apparently apparently God is keeping track um and then Malachi 3:16 then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another the Lord paid attention and heard them and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed His name. And so the picture I get is you got the Lord, He's in heaven, He has His court, He has His court officials, and just like we see in the in the movies where where you have scribes that document and track and and. Uh, Know what's happening within the kingdom as God is stab- looks to establish His kingdom on earth. His scribes are tracking who who is faithful, mm. who is faithful. So
0: mm. nice.
1: And apparently, these two ladies that Paul addresses, are their names are written in the Book of Life, along even with though the, they're bickering. Along with the other uh, other people. Other partners.
0: Hmm. Sure. So this popped into my head while I was listening to the sermon. When you got to the section um, where uh, it's around verse 8, yeah. Uh, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable... If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things, right? Mm -hmm. When you were reading that, it sparked in my brain that that sounds exceedingly similar to chapter 2. Nice. At the beginning of chapter 2, where he has the... So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any Mm. comfort from love, any Mm. participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being. There's not really a lot of like straight comparison across there.
1: No, there's some similarities um, there. But there's
0: mm-hmm. there's similarities and it sounds similar. Yeah. So I uh, and I was driving, so I couldn't really research this this much. But thank you for that. You're welcome. Everybody <laughs> else on the road. I was just mulling it over in my <laughs> brain. Um, but I'm wondering if he's doing a little bit of maybe some bookends here mm. or something like that. So, for yeah. any of you that are interested in that, possibly a good place to go look for.
1: Wow! Yeah, that's interesting. Wow! I own I. Now uh, Philippians 2, How many things these? Sounds like you list like five.
0: Uh, encouragement in Christ, comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, affection and sympathy.
1: Yeah, there's five. There's eight here in chapter four and you know, I was, I'm going, why eight? Like eight is just, uh,
0: um, you'd have to, and this would be worth checking in the Greek when it says any affection and sympathy, it's any affection and sympathy, not any affection or any sympathy. It's not two. It kind of groups them together. Mm. So that might be one concept, which would be four and eight. Then I don't know if that helps anything, but Hmm.
1: Yeah, and so um, this is actually a. This is very Greek. This list of eight virtues, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. You know, we know that Jesus borrows from culture to communicate kingdom truths, and and Paul is doing the same thing here. Um, I find just I find that interesting in light of uh, just some. Some people, you know, and they're um very adamant that you that culture has no redeeming value, that culture doesn't bring anything to the conversation. Sure. Um and, and in particular I'm like this is uh you know, we talked about just kind of from a mental health perspective. Mm-hmm. Um this comes at the end of that uh, mental health checklist or that um Carla had marked in her in her mm-hmm. Bible uh, and i and I just think about the expertise that mental health professionals bring, and sometimes Christians are afraid to embrace what they bring to the conversation, sure. Mm-hmm. But I know that when we, as a church in Moscow, started looking at abuse and how how do you respond to abuse, what does that look like as an organization to respond to someone who has been abused? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you have the conversation well how do you how do you hear them well? How do you journey with them? How do you not uh inadvertently add to the abuse mm-hmm. or mm-hmm or have a conversation that in such a way that reminds them of the abuse or feels Mm -hmm. similar to the abuse, even though it's not, uh, the intent isn't there. Um, but, but still the, the effect could still be harmful. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so we brought in some folks that, um, had (laughs) both a ministerial and a mental health background and, uh, and, ask for training so that we can have a conversation in in better ways and and you know pastor people in better ways yeah
0: well a lot of times um so when i when i hear like oh training like i need to be trained in this or i need to be trained to you know like uh my initial response is like wait you know okay i'm gonna learn how to fix these issues And that's not necessarily the most important part Um, because, like you said, you're bringing in people that are professionals that have been doing this as a career for years and years and years and have tons of experience and training that the regular layman, the regular pastor doesn't necessarily have. Mm -hmm. Right. But what you can do as a layman, as a pastor that doesn't have a ton of training, if you're not a mental health professional, is you get the training um, you get the training to know how to point them in the right direction or how to not make things worse.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I And equate, those
0: are almost just as valuable.
1: Yeah, and I equate that to what I learned in the Air Force about self-aid and buddy care. You know, um, when you're on the battlefield and you come up to an airman that has a sucking chest wound, Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think all chest wounds are suck, but that's, uh, <laughs> that's beside the point. So sucking chest wound is where the there's the, air
0: coming in and out, right?
1: Air coming in and out of the chest cavity. Yeah, yeah. So they've been punctured through their ribs and into the chest cavity, and so now um, you
0: got a punctured lung.
1: Punctured lung, and you, you know, how do you how do you deal with that? How do you get them dressed up mm-hmm. how do you address the wound enough to where they could be transported and you know obviously in a battlefield situation you know you're not raising your hand going ambulance here please For you sure. are the ambulance yeah right you're you are carrying that person learning some basic triage basic triage and so i think the same way you know we're not asking, when we train people, we're not training them to perform surgery. We're yeah. training them to do basic triage and get them to the people sure. that can support them. And so, I, you know, I feel like, you know, does, do the scriptures answer everything in life and, you know, like, can it handle every mental health question? Um, well, yes in the right hands of the right person with the mm-hmm. right training
0: <laughs> cuz there's application and that's moderately important
1: yeah and and some some people who think they are counselors maybe they're not so mm-hmm. i don't know that
0: um, that is something to be to be very cautious about
1: yeah there there's there's such a thing as training there's such a tr- thing as uh aptitude you know, well, and it's, um,
0: it's dangerous to think that we can fix. You know, if if that's not your wheelhouse, to the temptation is I'm gonna fix. I'll use an nice I statement. I'm gonna fix this person because I. Oh, okay. I know the Bible verses, so I can throw some Bible verses at him, right? But I'm not. I don't really know what I'm looking at. I don't understand it necessarily. You know, if I was dealing with, uh, you know, severe depression or anxiety in a person and I'm just going to throw some scriptures at them, I very well could just make that worse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the proper context with somebody who knows what they're doing, you know, a therapist that has training and understands those, you know, those, uh, not symptoms, the, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? afflictions, sure, sure yeah. we'll go with afflictions, uh depression or anxiety or whatever whatever the uh, whatever it might be, if the therapist has training in that and they understand it, they might use the same scriptures, even, sure, but they're going to know how to apply them properly
1: mm-hmm.
0: and at the right time and in the right way to actually help the person
1: right right it's a yeah it's a different um uh, now I'm trying to think of the word It's a different specialty. Yeah. You know to to be a counselor um do I counsel counsel people as a pastor? Yes, I do. Um but again, my focus is different than the focus of of a trained counselor and my training is different and and I have I have a number of people that I could call upon to say, "Hey, this is a, this is what I'm faced with. You know, this is what I'm seeing. Um, if there's, you know, if someone that I'm working with, you know, has uh, some concerns or, you know, and, and a lot of times it's like, yeah, pass that along, pass that off, get that, get that person to, these are the people that you want to invite into the conversation. And so, mm-hmm. um, I, I feel like that's an important, important, you know, understanding. But, so back to you know Philippians four verse eight. The uh these eight attributes that the Greeks identified. True. Sure. Um, they don't disagree with scripture. Um, the Jewish Old Testament that Paul depended on for <clears throat> guiding his conversations when it came to discipleship, he he saw these and said, Yeah, these are worth valuing, but you need to look at what you have learned and seen in, in me and heard in me and and figure out how to apply these based off of the discipleship that I've provided you. And so um, these aren't in conflict. Yeah. And Paul used what he saw in culture to uh, took, took the things that were good conversations that the culture was having and, and said, yes, but let's talk about that through the lens of discipleship.
0: I think that's, that speaks quite a bit to him understanding his, this, well, this speaks back to the same, the same thing as the talking about the women. Um, he understands the people who he's writing to. Hmm. Right. Because this is a heavily Roman, heavily Greek, um, Western-thinking town. Yeah. And th- this is going to speak right to their core when you say whatever's true, whatever's honorable, just, Pure, lovely, commendable. Mm. If there's any excellence. Like, oh man, that doesn't speak to us as Americans at all, I'm sure. (laughs) Just throwing that one out there. Um, But if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard in me. Like, he's speaking straight to their core. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is it it ethos?
1: Yes. Yeah, Yeah,
0: he's using ethos here. Like yes. this is this is going to the heart of their emotions mm-hmm. and you know like understanding who you're talking to, who you're discipling, and understanding their culture is you can't you can't really do it properly without understanding them.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is why when you plant a church you have to think in terms, okay, what is what are the conversations that is that are taking place in Missoula? Sure. What are what's weighing heavily on on people's hearts and minds, which is, you know, affordable housing, um, job security.
0: The taxes are too dang high.
1: Yeah, I mean these are some pretty common, and it's not, and these conversations happen in other places around the country too. Oh sure, yeah, Mm -hmm. but understanding the nuances of those conversations and, but then bringing discipleship into the, like Paul didn't abandon discipleship. Like he fully embraced discipleship in the midst of what he was seeing.
0: No, it just, it changes how you go about using. It's the, it's the same as the, it's the same as the, uh, the therapist using the, you know, you'll use the same tools. You just might use them in a different order. You might use them in a different fashion. It just changes the application Mm -hmm. to the scenario. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, Jacob, I had mentioned good eye versus bad eye in the sermon, and you did some research.
3: I did. Because um, oh, I remembered uh, I used to be an intern for Marty Solomon, and I remembered one time he mentioned uh, that there was a, uh, a midrash, uh, a teaching on uh, another one that related to eyes. Um, and this one related to a father not seeing the evilness in his son. Um, I thought that was a pretty interesting kind of contrast Hmm. to the, to the, what we talked about with good eye, bad eye, where.
1: So here's a father that doesn't see as well as he used to. Uh And, and the loss of sight is an actual, this is, can be seen as a commentary, God providing commentary on the father and. And. And his role as a father with his son or disciple, or mm-hmm. so. Who there are some examples in Scripture. Who, who are the examples that we have?
3: So the examples were uh, Isaac, uh, Eli, and, and Samuel. Okay. Um,
1: so tell us about each one, in case.
3: So Isaac, uh, he he didn't really see uh, or pay attention to the fact that his son Esau didn't care at all about God's kingdom or about their mission. Um, because Esau was the Bahor he was yeah yeah. Exactly. So he
0: should have been taking on the responsibility, but he wasn't.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and and there's also some other stuff with where he took uh, a wife with the, um, I forgot which group of people, but one of the local groups of people. Um, and and some other stuff like that, um, as
0: opposed to who he was supposed to. Yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah, and, and there's implications there that he probably. Uh, you know, worship some pagan gods because of that. Um okay. and that was usually what was associated with taking a, a local wife. Um that eventually disappears. But at okay. this point in the story, that's definitely the implication there. Hmm. Um later with Eli, um, we're told that his sons um were doing all sorts of stuff. They were eating, I think, sacrifices that they weren't supposed to. Um stuff that was reserved for God. Right. Um,
1: they were abusing people,
3: they were abusing people they were they were just using their priestly
1: and being gluttonous all well, wrong, yes, yeah,
3: they yeah. were
0: being gluttonous in how they how yeah. they took stuff,
3: yeah, yeah, which is especially bad when it's God's stuff too that you're mm-hmm. taking
1: <laughs> and Eli was turning a blind eye,
3: yeah, and uh got to tell Eli twice that <laughs> his family wasn't gonna be in charge
0: anymore
2: yeah
0: and eventually uh, eli died in a very telling fashion because he fell over backwards and snapped his neck yes because of his own weight yes which speaks possibly to the fact that eli might have been being a bit gluttonous too yeah he was, he was there's a good chance he was partaking too <sighs> it's easier to turn uh, a blind eye when you'd be convicted also
1: mm. well and sometimes and sometimes we'd participate like we should be the greater voice in the conversation. We should be the one that influences the others. And, sure. you know, that was something I really struggled with when I was in my 20s and 30s. You know, um, I knew what the kingdom values were. I didn't always live out the kingdom values because my friends, I I went along with them. Instead of influencing them, they influenced me.
2: Mm-hmm. I I did a visual... Back in the day when we were, lived in Glendive, I used to do tag team with – sorry, Mike. Um, I used to tag team with uh, two other women, and we would uh, preach, I guess you could say, to the Awana program. Mm. And so one of the weeks I did – I liked doing um, visual aids because I'm a very visual learner. So I was talking about um, – in Proverbs where it talks about a cord of three is not easily broken – Right. And so I pulled a chair up and I stood up on the chair and I had one of just, I pulled somebody from the audience. I was like, pull me down. And like, I'm supposed to be pulling you up to my level, but you're going to, you want to try to pull me down. And so they could pull me down very easily. And then I had two other people come and I'm like, you're going to hold on to me and make sure I don't fall down. And then we tried it again. And I'm like, that's how you're supposed to approach people who are not Of the same like, belief system as you. Like you go at it with an accountability to keep you accountable. Sure.
0: So you're getting into the mess. You got to make sure that you're you're tied and anchored. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But
0: yeah. So
1: yeah, engage your culture, but make sure that you have a firm foundation.
2: Don't go alone.
1: And you have good community around you. Use the buddy system.
2: Buddy system.
1: (laughs) Let's call it care group. Yeah. What oh shoot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, nice. So that'd be too easy, Eli. Rob.
0: We can't call it care group.
3: <laughs> who's uh, who's
1: the third uh
3: and Samuel? Um so his sons were known for taking bribes uh when they would like uh be judges for the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. and and even the people are Ask for a king because they're like your sons are wicked, Samuel.
2: <laughs> yeah, which is kind of sad because Samuel spent a lot of time under Eli. Yes, and so Samuel actually did different than Eli's sons, but didn't teach his kids to do different. Yeah, so it is kind of unfortunate.
1: History does like to repeat itself. It well, does. and think
0: about if uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm off base here, but if if Samuel spent a lot of time under Eli. He learned how to parent from Eli. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Right. right. And so That's if he didn't true. see how to
0: parent differently, oh, his sons are going off the course and he didn't realize it, turned a blind eye, whatever.
3: He was it's repeating it again.
2: Yeah.
0: And to explain Midrash
3: very quickly, they're like little vignettes.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> little
0: vignettes.
3: That help, <laughs> expl- that help uh, shed some light or bring a different perspective on a, on a story.
1: Um. <laughs> yeah, so they're written by rabbis, uh, and it's not just some guy sitting in a corner thinking about the Scripture in a different way, but it's looking at the breadth of the Old Testament, looking at the, what the prophets are saying was, was written in the Psalms, because the stories, there's commentary on those stories throughout the Scripture. Mm-hmm. And then... Um Midrash itself is commentary it 's not inspired when When Isaiah yeah. says something about Sodom and Gomorrah, that would be authoritative mm-hmm. um, Midrash is interesting thoughts, just like we present interesting thoughts and in footnotes, but it 's not.
0: I would, I would hesitate to call it inspired.
1: (laughs) It is not inspired. So, so it's inspirational,
0: possibly, but not inspired.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um,
2: Intriguing.
1: Maybe expired. Maybe expired. Oh, (laughs) not inspired. Ouch. Um, Ouch. And we do see, but that is what Midrash and so, and it
0: helps you understand the concepts of what's going
1: on. Mm -hmm. And these are these are uh, people that wrestled with the scriptures. For centuries. Mm-hmm. So so it helps us understand the story in, in a little different way and and con- gives us insight into a conversation that's been happening longer than the Christian conversation. Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. And we do see we see Jesus uh mention Midrash or at least kind of reference it and we also see like you know in, in the letters it referenced every once in a while. Um so, uh so I know for some people it definitely seems weird to bring up midrash or to talk about it, but it, it is kind of important, especially looking at like at Jesus and you know obviously all the writers in the Bible are either Jewish or Luke, and Luke was probably a proselyte and he probably had a very
0: in depth Jewish view. <laughs> All of the writers were either Jewish or Luke. <laughs> <laughs> I just. <laughs> There's
2: no other options.
0: That was.
1: <laughs> That's who That was. That was really yeah, good. No, <laughs> was <just> <laughs> well, and Jesus being Jewish, and some of the midrash didn't come about until after Jesus. Some was before, some was after. But Jesus would have been trained by his rabbi, mm-hmm. who was trained by their rabbi,
0: who would all have their own midrashes. They would have. They'd pass down.
1: Yep. And so it's just like, uh, you know, Bible teachers of today—they have their commentaries that they look to, and their they, favorite analogies. Well, yep.
2: and how much easier is it to remember a story versus facts? Like,
1: well, and that's how they communicate the truth yeah. too. Mm-hmm. They would yep. the midrash that Jacob's talking about is actually told in story form, mm-hmm. and, yes. and and we like to cut to the chase in, in the West, so we just. <laughs> <laughs> Summarize. I yeah. know I. clip note it. It's pay a travesty.
2: To like pastors who share stories, like I'm like, oh, they're telling me about their life or there's some interesting, and I I pay better attention. Sure. Because I like stories. Yeah. Story Hot time it's a gossip fun. about
0: the pastor's life,
2: <laughs> children <laughs> always end up there, <laughs> or Poor wives. Kids.
0: <laughs> Poor kids. Yeah. Poor beta fish. <laughs> There's an inside room, Uh. All right. Let's wrap it up with a sweet aroma.
1: So, in Philippians somewhere. In Philippians. Oh, that's a good place to
0: start. (laughs) Side note, while you're looking that up, did you say vignette in the sermon? I don't think you did.
1: I did not. It was two
0: weeks, Rob, where we didn't get vignette. I failed you. So, Jacob, we need to say it at least four more times in the podcast. At least four more times we need to
3: say the word vignette.
0: Oh, man. So, Just really, to dig in and bite into the term
3: vignette. <laughs> What's Let's have a vignette about the sweet aroma.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul is towards the end of uh, Philippians 4. He says this, and you Philippians yourselves know that at the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia no church entered into partnership and that word partnership is a business transaction type of word so he's saying you help me deal with the business transactions of the gospel Hmm. with me in giving and receiving except you only and he's saying this is bi-directional like um they were giving, but they were also receiving. And, uh, and I, think about, I think about that like uh, one of my donors this week uh, emailed me and was just sharing some of the things that he's wrestling through, and so praying for him, and there's, there's some giving and receiving going on there. Yeah. Um, even if in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Mm. Now, Numbers 15 uh, provides us the laws about sacrifice. And so, starting in verse 1... It says this, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land, you are to inhabit, which I'm giving you. And you offer to the Lord from the herd or from the flock, a food offering or a burnt offering or a sacrifice to fulfill a vow or as a freewill offering at your own, at your own appointed feast to make a pleasing aroma to the Lord. So, the Lord is describing in Numbers 15 the kinds of sacrifices that can be made mm-hmm. and the result of those different types of sacrifices, uh, whether it be an offering from the herd or the flock, whether it's a food offering, a burnt offer- offering, a, something to f- fulfill a vow, or, or if it's just a free will offering. The result is it's a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And Paul connects this partnership of the gospel, this partnering with the church, mm. this bring your ties, this supporting ministry, supporting missionaries, um, whatever that looks like, that the Lord takes notice. Mm.
0: It's a sacrificial offering of their faith Which is like he mentions In chapter 2 Oh Which he's a drink offering poured out on top of
1: mm-hmm. Just saying So there may be some bookends
0: There might be some tie-ins there too It's like there's a bunch of vignettes <laughs> Boom we hit four <laughs> Throughout this entire letter Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh. I was so giddy when I saw that coming together. It took some effort, but we got there.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, as a pastor, when I when I think about um, tithing and what people are what people are are or not doing when it comes to tithe, first and foremost, it's it's never between me and them. This is always conversation between them and the Lord. Um. I have no idea what's going on in people's worlds, you know, financially. and sure. And I have no idea in what way, shape, or form they're making sacrifices. You know, like, for me to try to track that or care about that, um, you know, that's, uh, that's not my role. Mm-hmm. And so my role is to just to share this is who God is, this is what he's mm-hmm. about. Uh, he is a generous God, and so... I likewise need to be generous, and in some ways I am, in other ways I'm not, and honestly, in all the ways that I'm not generous or wherever I struggle to be generous, it really strikes at the heart of my view of God and the world and what I really believe. So um, let that preach however (laughs) it should. Yep. but I really do believe, like I said Sunday, that tithing, supporting kingdom work, partnering in the gospel, all of that really is about experiencing God in our everyday world. Mm-hmm. And and I say that because I have twenty five years of experience of knowing God in my finances. Knowing God, you know, when you're, when you're tithing and financially it doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. um, there's an intimacy there. There's a mm-hmm. Lord, it strikes a conversation between, It's it struck my conversations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if it does for you, but it does for me. It's like, it's, yeah. it's, it started these conversations between me and the Lord, and like you see me, right? Like I, I am partnering in the gospel, and and it's not a. Rarely did I have an instantaneous response. Sometimes I did. Um. But then I saw a generosity in others through our needs. And how they knew that a need sometimes, uh, some, you know, I, I got a, a check from my best friend one day when I, I'm like, how did he know? <laughs> like he was in California. We are best friends from high school. Like, how did he know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, this is... Uh, and whether whether you're bringing tithe to the church and supporting ministries and supporting missionaries or you're going to the temple um, some people will notice someone may be able to tell, but there really is only one that really knows mm-hmm. is sure. this is this the sacrifice that like, is this the right number of sheep? Is this the, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. You know, like, mm. is your heart all in or not? Um, and because I feel that it is such a personal conversation between the person and God, I, that's why I I don't jump into those. I, I really try to stay agnostic to who's doing what when it comes to tithing. Sure. And, Unless I see someone tithing in such a way as like, wow, something cool is going on there. Like I, I tried I, I tried to notice the positive. Mm. Um, Just
0: ignore it. But every once in a while, something slaps you in the face and you're like, holy crap, God's at work in that.
1: Yeah. 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 I remember when I was processing tithe, you know, when I worked in Moscow and I saw the tithe come in for a young man that um, wasn't 18 yet. And uh, he was a new father, couldn't even sign his own lease because <laughs> he's seventeen. Mm-hmm. But he's a new father, and he's working. And that guy was tithing, mm-hmm. and I could, I could tell that this was a real tithe. I mean, just, just guessing numbers. I'm going, oh, this is this is cool. This is a seventeen year old that hasn't. always made the best decisions in life, but he's trying to figure it out. And I could tell that he really wanted to honor God, and this was just an indicator. And Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, I, the amount of times that I have been in a position where I'm like, tithing has always been very important to me because it's my way of joining God in whatever he's doing. Right. Um, And I I heard a sermon when I was younger that said, um, if you want to know where your heart is, look at your checkbook. Mm. And so I was like that always felt very strong to me because I'm like I want people to go back and look at my checkbook and be like, "No, she put like she put her faith in God like sure when it didn't make sense." So the amount of times I've put in the check going I mean, this is a bit of a stretch like I'm going to do this. I'm stepping out in faith, but God, you know my oil and and flour at home like sure you, you're going to have to show up. <laughs> so it but is,
1: it's bothered me when we've had, when our finances were so poor that we had to turn off, we had to stop giving, you know, the, uh, the things that are above and beyond the tithe when we had to stop doing those mm-hmm. things. Sure. You know, we've had seasons of that. And I just like, it almost made me sick. You know, it's like, oh, I, like I want to support these ministries. I yeah. want um. Whenever we've adopted a kid, I, you know, I think that's the one thing that I've kind of kept sacred. It's like, it's a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> how, do I, how do I stop giving to a little kid, you yeah. know, and some, yeah. like, uh, I could probably just have one less hamburger or something, you know, and yeah. <laughs> one yeah. less time out at McDonald's with the family. I can
0: skip a meal so they can get six.
1: <laughs> so, um. Not even skip a meal. Just skip going out for a meal.
2: Yeah
1: But Yeah That's um, It is It's sure. It's a heart level issue Um, But I think it's That's a conversation between them mm-hmm. and God Yeah okay. So we'll just continue to invite people to Things that are better And an approach her from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. I've heard of some churches that like they track each pastor's tithe and.
2: Yeah, we we worked at two of those churches one time. Hmm. It was really awkward, because yeah. I'm the one with the checkbook, so everything came in on my name. <laughs> 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 Paul, did, it didn't come in on Paul's name; it came in on my name. So they would talk to him, and he's like, "No, we are. It's just my wife's the one with the checkbook." So, but yeah, uh, I've always. Whenever I have, like, as encouragement to people who are listening, whenever I've taken that step, um, God's always come through. It's never been how I thought he would come through for me, but Mm -hmm. he's always come through. And, like, I think back when stuff was really just sketchy, you know, years ago when we were super broke and way in debt and making not the best decisions, I genuinely believe we would have been a lot worse off if we hadn't continued to tithe. So There
0: you go. Let it be a sweet aroma.
1: Let it be a sweet aroma. God mm. takes notice.
2: Yes, he does.
0: Sniff sniff. <laughs> Say no more. Ha ha Alright. Well, thanks for joining us on another episode of Footnotes. We'll have you back here next week. See ya. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed and that you'll join us again next week for more footnotes.